0: Hey, with the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980 AM, or anywhere on the Odyssey app. You can also catch us anywhere you get your favorite podcast. Just search the Rob O'Donnell Show. 41 degrees and sunny here at 410 on this Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. And what's Tuesdays mean? Well, Tuesday with Tommy Marquez, our Veterans Affairs expert. He was a veteran himself in the Navy. Uh, Senior staffer in Congress for many years, and now he helps uh, guiding our veterans get the benefits that they've earned and deserve in this world. Uh, Tommy, thanks for joining us this week. Hey, thanks for having me, Rob. So what do we have on the agenda this week? I I was just talking about a story before you came on where our local congressman, Matt Cartwright, has uh, asked for answers from our local VA hospital because they don't have a critical medication on staff because they do not have a 24-hour pharmacy.
1: Right. I, you know, so I saw that. So I immediately, I was listening to your show and I had a whole topic kind of designed roughly around that. And it was essentially asking on my social media, I said, Hey, what benefits do you guys want to see improved or what would it take to booster military recruiting? And once you get past pay, cause that's like the number one thing that people put and, and some crazy ideas that people have that I just like, okay, well, that's never going to happen. Um, We're not giving unicorns? Thing, no, no, not not today, maybe tomorrow, but not today. Then after that was everyone was saying, if you want to have better military recruiting, fix the VA. That was the third thing listed, and pay is always on there, and I got to tell you, pay is always relative. If You know, when I joined the Navy, I remember thinking I was rich because um, <laughs> I was so poor growing up. Uh, but pay is relative, right? And it has increased a lot. I don't know if pay is a solid answer, but it was fixed the VA. So I read that story. Ironically, full disclosure, I actually know who they wrote the letter to, the congressional liaison there. Anne-Marie Amaral um, dealt with her, I mean, literally a thousand times or more when I was working in Congress. Uh, she's a really nice person. She's got a very tough job, and that's defending the VA. So I understand her perspective when she writes these letters back. I get it, but I look at that situation, and it kind of made me think, well, I think that I need to discuss, since you had that topic on, a couple things for veterans to know on how to improve the VA that that they could do themselves, and it's important that you know this for your healthcare, if you're using the VA, or if you're a military member and you're about to be separating, and you don't know what the the VA is going to be like, let me just explain this in general. And this is true throughout all healthcare fields. You have to be your own advocate. You have to be vigilant. You have to be honest with your medical providers. And sometimes, you know, I've even had it through Kaiser, Blue Shield, Blue Cross, Edna. I've had other uh, healthcare insurances, and even then, I still needed to do this. So the VA is not the only place that's having healthcare problems, but man, the VA sure does feel like it's got the most healthcare problems. Okay. So if you're a veteran and you're unhappy with the care or your loved one is a veteran and you're unhappy with their care at the VA, there is things you can do to improve it. And there is steps that you can take to get it corrected and in some cases a monetary benefit to rectify the situation. I know we all hear that you can't sue the VA. Well, that's not 100% true. But let's take a step back. So if you're unhappy with your care – with your medical provider at the VA, this is what I encourage every veteran to do. And, and the story you uh, told highlights this. Go to your member of Congress. Your member of Congress, I I, I don't care who, what party they're in. If they do their job well taking care of veterans and write a letter like the one that Congressman Cartwright did, it's going to have a major rippling effect at that VA facility. I guarantee it they're gonna have to come up with some sort of alternative to not having that medicine available and not having a 24-hour pharmacy. Now, I don't understand why this hospital doesn't have a 24-hour pharmacy, to be honest with you. It is not a clinic through the VA, so it should have one. Maybe they need to reassess their funding uh, so that they can provide an emergency 24-hour pharmacy. That might just be an important thing, but if three people have been negatively affected by this, Bad stories at the VA are like cockroaches. For every one you hear, there's a thousand more, right? Uh, And so I gotta believe that this is an ongoing issue with that facility, and I imagine it's gonna get rectified. Or the director of that facility is gonna have to find employment elsewhere. It's just that simple. There's no way a member of Congress could write a letter. And you highlighting that case, without even me bringing it up, goes to my point that if you contact your member of Congress when you have a problem at the VA facility, If they send over a letter, believe me, it makes a difference. That's one. Two, let's say for some reason you don't want to use your member of Congress or your senator. Keep in mind those are your representatives. They're there for you regardless of party. They represent you if you're in their constituency. But let's say for whatever reason you don't want to do that. There is a patient advocate at every VA medical facility, and you want to contact that patient advocate and let them know about the substandard care you received or that your loved one received. And don't just have the problem, maybe have like a potential solution or something that you would have liked to have seen done. And as long as you're polite and professional, they're gonna look into it and they should give you some sort of response. And a lot of times, if you get both the patient advocate looking into a matter and your member of Congress, you can rectify a lot of those situations, not just for you as the veteran or your loved one, but for future veterans. Let's keep this in mind. The VA has improved significantly. Now, is it great? Is it like the number one healthcare resource? No, absolutely not. But the VA has tremendously improved over the last 20 years, you guys. And the reason why that is, is because Veterans 20, for the last 20 years, have been complaining and notifying the VA of the problems and notifying the media of these problems. And then the VA has to go out there and fix them. The Choice Act, the Mission Act, outside community care, these are all byproducts of veterans using their voice and going to their members of Congress and going to their patient advocates and making it better for future generations of veterans, which is just important. Now, let's talk about if you received poor care and it costed you, it it, it had a real negative lasting effect. So for instance, uh, you were denied an emergency room, with a good diagnosis or a misdiagnosis, Uh, you were denied for care when you were eligible, you received poor care and it caused undue harm to the veteran, or you you were in a surgery or a procedure with the VA and it got botched up. I know we've all heard, well, you can't sue the VA, but that's not true. I want to tell everybody about the process in which you can receive um, a monetary in some cases, a monetary benefit for the VA based on negligent and wrongful acts or omissions from an employee of the Department of Veterans Affairs. And that's called the VA tort process. Now, it is not a very friendly process. It's a lack, there's a lot of improvements that need to be done to this process, but I have seen veterans get hundreds of thousands of dollars from the VA uh, to, to fix some of the problems that they've had. Uh, and, I'll give you an example. There was a gentleman, and you could Google uh, the bill. It's called the Brian Talley bill. I won't tell you his name, but you can draw from that what you will. And the Brian Talley Act essentially is a bill that requires the VA to quickly notify a veteran uh, when they are not eligible for a tort claim because it used to take years. But the Brian Talley Act came about from a veteran who went to the VA, was turned away from the emergency room. They said, you're totally fine. You just have, you know, a virus or something that's causing the stomach pain and the diarrhea, and it turned out some of his, uh, he had blockages in his intestines, I believe, and some of his intestinal lining had to be removed. That veteran got uh, over $100,000 in money from the VA using the tort process, Um, and we assisted that veteran with that. And essentially, you could just fill out a standard 95, a standard form 95 uh, and mail it in if you believe that you had poor care from the VA. But to be honest with you, it has to be really negligent or wrongful act in order for you to receive a monetary uh, profit from it. And I don't even like the term profit, but that's their words, not mine. And then it goes to a series of lawyers at the Office of General Counsel within the VA. And then they make a determination and an offering of, like, hey, we, we saw the problem that you had. Uh, here's where we have our omission that, yes, we made these mistakes. And here's our suggested amount of money to fix the problem. Now, in order to go through that tour process, keep in mind, it has to be from an actual Veterans Affairs employee, and it has to occur at a Veterans Affairs hospital or clinic. It has to be a health care center of theirs. You can't go to the outside care uh, and, and then try to sue using the tort process. In that scenario, you go through your local state uh, board for handling of, uh, medical health insurance. And they will go ahead and work with you at the state level. So if you were issued that care and it was sent outside into the public, you have to go through your state. And if it's at a VA facility, you can use the VA tort process. Now, I know that's a lot to ingest. Um, You know, there's probably a lot of veterans who've got examples of poor care that they've received and they want more information on this. So let me tell you, as I always do, you can find this information on my social media. My handle's at Tommy Marquez Consulting, and it's on TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram.
2: Uh,
1: I cover tort claims, I cover VA healthcare, I cover how to find your member of Congress. And beyond the money and all those other things for the TOR process, if you're eligible or not, the real thing is this. As veterans, we owe it to each other to try to improve the system for future generations of veterans. And just being upset and complaining at your local post or legion, and just railing about the VA and never doing anything about it, not contacting your member of Congress, not contacting your patient advocate, that really doesn't change and improve the VA. It might make you feel better at the end of the night, but it's not going to actually change things. If you want real change, I'm telling you, use your member of Congress. Use your patient advocate. And in cases where it has caused you severe harm, then by all means, see if you're eligible for a VA tort claim. But don't just sit there, complain about it to people, and not go to your member of Congress and your patient advocate. That's the key to making the VA better for all of us.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, and, and like you said, you know, it's, it was veterans' job when they were active duty to clear the beach, to take that lead, to take point, to do things. And it's no different when it comes to the VA when, when you brought that up. You know, that, that's what, what came to my mind immediately. You know, blaze that path so it's easier for those behind you to, to navigate that system, to get a better system.
1: And I know that the VA seems like this overwhelming problem and I remember at times being overwhelmed in my office and consumed, probably at a very unhealthy level, with trying to fix the VA. And I remember a staffer telling me, like, what's your deal, Tommy? Do you think you could just, like, totally fix the VA yourself? There's too many people to help. You can't get caught up in it. And I remember telling them, I understand that. But with each case, I'm just trying to help one person and then the next person and the next person and the next person. And if I continuously do that, I'm never going to, you know, probably fix the entire VA, and I'm not going to change the world, but I've changed the world for that one veteran. And that's what we could all do by using your patient advocate and using your member of Congress to hold the VA responsible for the level and quality of care that they should be providing to our nation's veterans.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, that's how we get it done. So I'm glad – uh, like, like I said, I, I, I acknowledged Representative Cartwright for getting involved with yeah, it. Yeah, shout hopefully, out to him big time. Yeah, hopefully we Great get letter. Senator Bob Casey on board with this as well uh, because, you know, he's from this area as well. So, you know, why should it just be one member of Congress? And the, it, it looks like the VA themselves is saying there hasn't been a problem, but the whistleblower is saying, I'm sorry, there's been three. So there's some discrepancy there that needs to be looked at.
1: Well, in the VA's mind, no one's been fired, so there is no problem. Yeah. But again, no, no, I'm being dead serious. That is that is not uh, a joke. Uh, that is their mentality, and, and there wasn't a problem if no one got fired. I, I've seen so many cases like this with the VA, um, and again, shout out to Congressman Cartwright, and I hope that his office reaches out to other members in the area because I assume that there's multiple members of Congress, uh, their districts are being affected by this. Uh, I don't know the area well, and I'm looking forward to actually going up there and seeing the area with you, Rob, so I can learn more about it. But there needs to be changes in at every VA facility. I guarantee it. And if you're not contacting your member, if you're not contacting uh, your patient advocate, it's just going to continuously be a problem because they don't care about the individual. It's just sad. But they don't care about the problem and the individual and the veteran there if they don't complain. They only are going to fix it if it affects them, if people are getting fired, and people are being held accountable. Only then will you see changes happen.
0: Well, Great advice, as always. So at Tommy Marcus Consulting, always follow him. I share what you share. So, uh, Tommy, thanks for joining us again this week. Thank you, Rob. Have a great night. Thank you. It's uh, 425 here at WILK guess it's just time for weather storm tracker 16 forecast from the meteorologist over there channel 16 today mostly sunny high 42 tonight clear and cold low 22 wednesday a mix of clouds and sun high 44 it's currently 40 degrees and sunny here at 425 time for traffic i was
3: just listening to tommy talk and i got lost (laughs) I just got—was interested in what he had to say. Um, It looks like we have an accident on the Cross Valley Expressway, but right at the exit to Luzerne, heading northbound. So, exit 6, Luzerne— Right there at the exit, you might want to be aware of that as you're heading out today. Other than that, there are no major backups on 81, 80, 84, 380, or 476. The P.A. Turnpike, they all seem to be problem-free. And we do have a little bit of bumper-to-bumper traffic heading up the Hilbert 6 and 11 in Clark Summit and on Cedar Avenue in Scranton. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570-883-7269 from the W.I.L.K. Traffic Center. Nikki Stone with this Pentella data Internet Traffic
0: Update. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. You can call or text at 570 883 0098. Let's go to the phones. We have uh, Charlie from Wilkesbury on the VA. Charlie.
4: Yes, Rob. Uh, oh, maybe this is maybe as far back as about 15 years ago. Uh, a distant relation of mine was number two man in the VA. And we were talking management, uh, and uh, I said, Rob, um, so what's your, what's your biggest challenge or dilemma or problem with managing VA at your level? And he says, that's easy. I says, what's that? He says, I can only fire five people. And I'm astounded. And I wonder if that organization structure and sign-off authority is still the same today as it was 15 years ago, and my guts are telling me it's probably still the same.
0: And, and his position was at the national level or at a local level? Yeah, yeah, Washington. Okay. Uh, well, that uh, seems strange, but uh, you know, Tommy was a congressional liaison that deal, dealt with the VA, and he seemed pretty adamant that uh, the, you know they can get fired when something like this happens if it doesn't, if actions not taken. But the the fear that that is a uh, very much reality doesn't seem to be there as much as it should to to say it lightly
4: yeah it's just uh if it's if it's still true it's kind of scary
0: yeah no doubt did he did he explain why he only had the the power for five and no, wh- where that number came uh, from or we,
4: we, we were about to go to a wedding <laughs> Yeah. Bad timing on my part.
0: Yeah, I mean, hopefully he was just saying that in jest to kind of make light of no, the he situation. Was,
4: he was. He was, yeah, he was deadly serious. He said that's that's his only real frustration. I went, wow, okay.
0: And this was about 15 years ago, huh? Yeah. Well, hopefully that's changed, and yeah. uh, because we, with, without the threat of uh, getting rid of incompetence, you know, what's what's the sense of trying to make things better?
4: Well, the problem, with the biggest government, from I look at it from a management consulting standpoint, is is uh, unless you have good mentors, you're going nowhere as an organization. And government, <laughs> as well, they use Luzerne County as an example. <laughs> you know, without without a competent leadership uh, that provides mentorship to the people underneath, you know, nothing gets better.
0: Uh, unfortunately, Luzerne County doesn't have a, a a patent on that. It seems to be more widespread and and more common than not. Charlie, I appreciate your input on this. Have a good one. You too. Thank you. It's uh, 432 here at WILK. Time for the news with Nancy Kamen and for Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio on this Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. It's the point of the show where we honor our heroes across America who made the ultimate sacrifice. 72 police officers made the ultimate sacrifice on this day, three of which are from here in Pennsylvania. I'm going to start off with patrolman Stephen Michael German. Caneboro Police Department in 1999 was shot and killed after making a traffic stop of a car that was speeding and tailgating in a small mountain community as patrolman German was talking to the drunk 18-year-old driver of the car. He was shot once in the chest and fell to the ground. He was able to return fire seriously wounding the suspect. The suspect was convicted of third-degree murder and sentenced to 22 to 47 years in prison. Ironically Patrolman German was the D.A.R.E. instructor for his community and had been with the Kane Police Department for 22 years. Police Officer John F. McEntee, Jr., Philadelphia Police Department, in 1971, was shot and killed while he was sitting in his patrol car at the corner of Woodstock Street and Norris Street. He and other officers had responded to an unfounded radio call. Two youths, 15 and 18, walked up behind his car as he was writing a report. The 15-year-old pulled a pistol and shot him twice in the back of the head. Both were apprehended and charged with murder. When asked, why did you shoot him, the killer replied, I just wanted to. Witnesses stated he told them I wanted to kill a cop. Policeman William Henry Miles, Philadelphia Police Department, in 1923. Policeman William Miles was beat to death while attempting to arrest four men His body was found at the bottom of a set of 84 stairs that led from Dawson Street to Ridge Avenue. Investigators believe he caught four men who were burglarizing a nearby mill, and they beat him with a blunt instrument causing him to suffer fatal head injuries. Served with the Philadelphia Police Department for 12 years. That's our three from our area here in Pennsylvania. Let me go to the phones. We have uh, Joe from Berwick on PA, the PA prison systems. Joe,
2: Ah, uh, hello, Rob. Thanks for having me on. So I'm I'm calling you because I'm covering something. It's, it's a lot like what you're covering with this uh, whole thing with Kansas City and and what what they've done to law enforcement. So over the weekend, I'm reading this article being put out by Penn Live, how the, these. Uh, they're all upset uh, about the Pennsylvania prison uh, mail system because in in response to drugs getting into the uh, prison, they went to a system where they send your mail to a place in Florida and your mail gets scanned and you get a copy of what was sent to you, uh, not the actual original. And that's because... Uh, and and this is where you know I came in because I saw this firsthand. I was working at the time. It, it was because letters were being soaked in in in, uh, in in drugs and then they were getting into the prison that way. Well, the, the interesting thing was how first of all, the the the, the writer of this article for Pen Live, you know, said with, with some kind of sarcasm and and, and you know uh, like. Putting doubt on the whole idea that they actually had to do this uh, because of drugs that were getting into the prison, and I, I you know, I witnessed firsthand how uh, mailroom staff uh, were were getting sick from handling the, uh, as well as corrections officers, they were getting sick from handling. The, THE LETTERS THAT HAD DRUGS ON IT. SO IT, it ACTUALLY DID HAPPEN DESPITE WHATEVER the PEOPLE AT PEN LIVE MIGHT THINK. BUT THE OTHER THING THEY DON'T REALIZE IS THAT ONE OF THE REASONS WHY SUCH A DRASTIC STEP WAS TAKEN IS THAT WHEN the uh, when when ALL THE SOCIAL JUSTICE and STARTED COMING INTO THE PRISONS AND THEY STARTED uh, TWEAKING POLICIES AND TAKING AWAY things that were actually working the inmates knew it was open season just like they do out on the street they knew they could get do what they want and get away with it and the consequences were minimal so all the things that were effectively being done um were being uh taken away by people who insisted uh we don't need to do this it doesn't really work anyway and then the problem got so bad that they ha- that they they wouldn't go back to doing what they were doing, of course, because they don't, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to admit that actually worked, and that's why they resorted to the more extreme uh, uh, idea of keeping mail out of the hands of inmates and only giving them a copy of their letters. So that's actually why it came about. It came about because of. Uh, you know, the people who took away the things that were effective, and and instead of dealing with individuals, in other words, go after the inmates who are bringing the drugs in, go after the people and hold accountable the people who are helping the inmate get the drugs in, they they instead stop all of that and decide their policy, they have have to have a policy to punish everyone, and now this is the result, and that's what you don't get from the Penn live story and and it just reminded me because again I saw this and it's the same as you you saw how these authorities and the the power of law enforcement was gutted by people who claimed it wasn't you know it, it was unnecessary it was and whatnot and then the result comes about and they don't like the result and they complain about the result
0: Yeah, it's always the people with the big idea book that's never done it, Joe. Yeah, I got to leave it there. I appreciate your call today. I go up against traffic and weather. Thank you. it's uh, 443 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather.
3: Hey, thanks, Rob. It looks like there's an accident on Long Pond Road near Road's End. Uh, that might uh, trip you up a little bit in your travel this afternoon. Sansui Parkway is bumper to bumper with traffic between Fellows Ave and West End Road. We have heavy traffic on East Northampton Street in Wilkesbury as well that may be causing some delays. And in Scranton, Davis Street is a, a little congested. As well as North Main Avenue. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570 883 7269. From the WILK Traffic Center, Nikki Stone with this data Internet Traffic Update.
0: Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from the meteorologist over at Channel 16 WNEP. Uh- Today, mostly sunny, high 42. Tonight, clear and cold, low 22. Wednesday, a mix of uh, clouds and sun, high 44. It's currently 40 degrees and sunny now at 444 at your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. 40 degrees outside at 448. Listen, let me tell you a little bit about BudgetBlinds.com. You're going to go to BudgetBlinds.com. You're going to get in touch with Tom or Rick, the owners of the local Budget Blinds there that cover all of northeast pennsylvania they are leaders in the custom window treatment ninety percent more options than your big box stores blind shades, shutters drapes they have what you need just don't worry about it they will walk you through it they're outstanding budget blinds is proud to offer the best warranty program in the industry including their no questions asked guarantee which means you're going to save money You're also going to save money by their volume pricing. You're getting that discount of not only the blinds you're buying for them, but the price that they pay for all the blinds for all their customer, which means you're getting that volume discount. Budgetblinds.com, they service everything they sell. Budgetblinds.com, you won't be disappointed. We were talking a little bit about the shooting, and there was the additional arrest, and I got some text messages in regards to that. There are now a total of four arrests in the shooting in Kansas City. You had the two juveniles that were taken into custody that day. They're being held firearms charges. And now you have two adults, Dominic Miller and Lindell Mays, each face second charges of second-degree murder, two counts of armed criminal action, and unlawful use of a weapon, as per the Jackson County Prosecutor Gene Peters-Baker. Um, it appears that Lindell Mays was in a verbal argument at the parade with someone he had no prior history with, Baker said to news conference. The uh, argument very quickly escalated to Mays pulling out his handgun. So you had Lindell Mays gets into an argument with people he don't know. He doesn't know. He immediately, very quickly, they're saying, I shouldn't say immediately, very quickly pulls out a handgun and almost immediately, others pulled out their firearms, including Dominic Miller, the other adult who has been arrested here. And the shooting begins. They, have, they were both wounded in the shooting. That's why they're in custody. That's why they are in the hospital. Um, as they say, both men are in the hospital for injuries sustained in the shooting. And both are being held on $1 million bond. The two juvenile suspects were taken into custody last week on gun-related charges and resisting arrest. Um, and they say that we seek to hold every shooter accountable for their actions here. Now, they immediately get into this. Now, first of all, the two juveniles with their firearms, two juveniles shouldn't have firearms to begin with or whatsoever. They're breaking the law. They're not saying the status of the gun ownership here. Now, if you look at what they've been charged with, two counts of armed criminal action— and unlawful use of a weapon, you know, were they legally in possession of firearms? And it's interesting because you look at uh, today's article that's in the Times-Tribune, and it's originally from the Associated Press, so I don't expect, um, you know, some high-quality journalism here. But, of course, they say— that led Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas to wonder whether it's time to rethink uh, celebrations. Uh, here, here's, here's the place where I'm looking to go. And this is from the Associated Press, and it was just posted by the Times-Tribune. The Kansas City shooting occurred in a state with few gun regulations and a city that has struggled with gun violence. A state with few gun regulations. Well, I can tell you right now it's illegal for juveniles to have firearms and shoot people in public. It's illegal for people to pull out guns during a verbal argument and start shooting each other, wounding and killing everyone around them. Uh, one woman around them and wounding a bunch of other people around them. So they throw that in there. and obviously you, you haven't heard much of, of this story. It kind of went away because it's gang violence. It's, it's everyday violence in Kansas City. Uh, you know, I'll talk to another story which makes me makes me even get into this today. A Waffle House shooting in Indianapolis leaves one dead and five injured, police say. Officers responded to a report of a shooting in the restaurant. Police found five victims with gunshot wounds were transported to the hospital, including a woman who was in critical condition and died at the hospital. The wounded victim included a woman and three men who were all listed in stable condition. The six men traveled separately to the hospital with a gunshot wound from the shooting and was listed in critical condition investigators believe an altercation between two groups of people at that restaurant escalated to gunfire. It was not immediately clear if any other victims fired shots. No arrests were immediately made after the shooting as police are continuing their investigation. Did you hear about the shooting at the, you know, five shot, one killed in uh, Indianapolis? I understand it's Indianapolis, but it, that would be a mass shooting, right? And, Doesn't it sound eerily familiar to what I just read to you about Kansas City? You know, a verbal argument where all of a sudden escalated very quickly into someone pulling a firearm and shooting each other? But the narrative is not there for the mainstream media. They don't have that boogeyman to point at. This is what goes on in cities around our nations. And it's criminals carrying illegal weapons doing illegal stuff. But instead of Holding them accountable and punishing them, like we've talked about, you know what? You want to use a certain type of weapon, 10 years in jail minimum, no plea, no parole. You want to use an extended magazine, 10 years in prison, no, no, no uh, plea, no parole. The message will go out very quickly not to use or carry these types of firearms anymore. And then let's hold people to the mandatory minimum, especially in a situation like this. If you are in a public place – now, a public place could be a Waffle House. You're sitting in there. Anyone could go in there and eat at any time. Obviously, a public place is a street where a parade is happening. Um, and you open fire indiscriminately with illegal weapons, 20 years in jail. That's it. It'll stop the crime. Hold criminals accountable, and it stops the crime. It's a proven method. It truly is. And if it doesn't stop them, they're in jail anyway, so they can't hurt anybody else. That's the way you deal with it. You stop making this boogeyman for your political agendas rather than preventing and punishing crime. That's the, the, the goal, right? But no, their goal is a political agenda. Let's demonize weapons. let's demonize a certain race. Let's demonize, you know whoever we can demonize here to get political points to score our fundraising for that month. But crimes like this at a waffle house in Indianapolis, or the crime going away of a shooting after a parade with 23 people injured one being killed, and you know, the shooting of a church for Joe Olstein, you know, that's just that just goes away because that's just, you know that. That just gets in the way, so we don't talk about that stuff much. It's uh, four fifty-five here at Wilk. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on Wilk News Radio. Forty degrees here on this Tuesday, February twentieth at uh, four fifty-eight. If you uh, happen to watch Court TV, I'll be on Court TV tomorrow morning at eight fifteen to eight thirty. I believe it's about a fifteen-minute segment on a law enforcement panel on Court TV. So if you, you get Court TV, if you watch it on your cable channel, you can get it, subscribe it, wherever you get it. Um, I'll be on tomorrow morning. Just put that on the on the break here. Was texted by their producer asking me if I'd come on tomorrow and uh, get my perspective. So if you're a fan of Court TV, tomorrow at 8:15 in the morning, I'll be on. Um, well, the Trump campaign has outraised the Biden campaign in Pennsylvania. Donald Trump has raised the most money from Pennsylvania State of all presidential candidates with $2.14 million raised since the start of the campaign cycle. Trump raised 502595 in the fourth quarter of 2023. Joe Biden, Biden has raised the next most from Pennsylvania with $1.5 million since the start of the campaign season and outraised him in the fourth quarter. We'll give him that 943000 in the fourth quarter. Twenty three notable presidential candidates includes those who were propped out, dropped out of the race, raised a total of six million from Pennsylvania donors between uh, January 1st, 2023 and December 31st, 2023. So it looks like that. uh, Donald Trump has outraised Joe Biden in total. By about half a million dollars, but Joe Biden did almost double Donald Trump's in the fourth quarter of 2023. So that's your news about uh, fundraising in Pennsylvania. And uh, we'll let you know how some others did later on. It's coming up on the 5 o'clock hour here at WILK. And maybe since Jake's all calmed down now, we talk a little bit about uh, Daytona.